He will speak right to your heart and he will give you faith. The question is, what are you going to do with that faith? See, right now there's people in this building and they're listening to the word of God. And the Lord is opening some hearts up in here today to hear the word of God. Welcome to A Word from God with your host and teacher, James Lindley. The title of this episode is The Busy Life of Christ and was recorded live at Grand Community Church in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, this is Misha Pelkey, and before we get started, I want to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. Drop him a line via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. That email again is james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. That address again is James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. Now here's your host and teacher, James Lindley. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 18 through 38, the busy life of Christ today. We're going to finish up this chapter. Continuing in Matthew 9, we find Jesus very busy dealing with the people and their needs. Christ is our example of how hard we should be working for others. I said Christ is our example of how hard we should be working for the sake of other people. Okay, so my first point is a girl restored to life and a woman healed. Matthew 9, verses 18 through 26. I'm reading out of the ESV today. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. So while he was saying these things to them, Jesus was teaching. He was teaching people about the kingdom. And while he was doing that, Jesus was very busy, okay, He was very busy, and he worked hard at his ministry, and even while he was teaching, people would routinely interrupt him to ask his help, and he was never too busy to help them. So here he was. He was teaching the crowds. He was learning them about the the gospel and about why he came, and wow, he gets interrupted. But he wasn't too busy, was he? He wasn't too busy. The man who came to Jesus was Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. This guy was in charge of making sure that somebody was going to preach on the Sabbath. He was in charge of running the synagogue, making sure everything was in order. He was like an administrator, okay? He was put in charge of the the affairs of the synagogue. Yet here he was, somebody of high statute, coming to Jesus, okay? Coming to Jesus. 
Now listen, Jairus kneeled before Jesus, the correct posture to take before God. You see, a lot of the Jews back then didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, let alone God in the flesh. And so here was the rule of the synagogue kneeling down in front of Jesus. That took faith. That took humbleness. Okay? But he was desperate, wasn't he? He was desperate. His daughter was dead. Think about that. Somebody that you love, that you care about, that you just can't even think about losing, and they're dead. And he's coming to Jesus, and he's asking for help. Now, notice that Jairus, he wants Jesus to come with him to touch the girl. Okay? But the woman with the blood flow, she says, if I could just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. You see the contrast there? Now, he acknowledged, Jairus, he acknowledged the reality of the situation, but had faith enough to know Jesus could still heal. Now, here's a problem that I see in Christianity today. People will tell you, don't acknowledge your circumstance. Don't speak that stuff over your life. Don't say that. That's not faith. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jairus acknowledged that his daughter was dead. He knew what was going on. He saw the dire need for the Messiah. You see, when we get into the situation of where we don't want to speak negativity over our life because it's reality, we're denying ourselves reality. We're denying ourselves the urgency that we need Jesus. You see, that's self-denial. When you start saying, oh, I'm not going to speak that. I'm not going to say that I'm in trouble. Well, that's foolishness. Because if you don't admit that you got a need, you're never going to come to Jesus. He knew his daughter was dead. He knew he needed help. He acknowledged that. And it's important in our lives that we assess what is going on with ourselves, with our lives, with the people we love and care about. And we admit to God we got a problem and we need his help and we need to come to him and we need to kneel down in reverence and say, Lord, you are king. You are God. And I need your help. If you would just come and help me, my problem will be solved. That's faith. Jesus and his disciples went with the man. His disciples often went everywhere Jesus went because they were there to learn as they followed. You see, you can't learn nothing from Jesus if you're not following him. You see what I mean? The disciples could have stayed behind. They could have just said, you know what, while you're busy, I'm going to take a break and I'm just going to relax and you go take care of that girl, okay? No, they went with him. They went with him because they wanted to learn. You see, we need to follow Jesus. They followed Jesus as somebody who was dead. Do you want to go to graveyards? Do you want to go to places like that? Do you want to go to where the dead is? Well, listen, when you follow Jesus, there's a lot of valleys that he will lead you down into. And they look scary. But look, if you're following him, it's not so scary. Okay, because Jesus, he is the life, right? He is the life. And that's where he was going. He was going to the dead places to resurrect Again, Jesus is interrupted, though. Now, he's teaching, and he gets interrupted by Jairus. And even while he's on his way with Jairus, he gets interrupted again. Now, some of us, when we get interrupted, we look at people and go, Can't you see I'm busy? Leave me alone. Right? But Jesus was never too busy to help people. And this time, a woman who needs healing from bleeding is coming up behind him and touching the fringes of his garment. The bleeding made the woman ceremonially unclean so that 
So to approach Jesus took a great deal of faith. The woman had faith in who Jesus is and in the grace of God. You see, when you have blood flow, you couldn't be around people and you couldn't be around priests and holy men. Okay? And she knew the grace of God. See, she didn't say that my blood flow is going to stop me from coming to Jesus. Because Jesus is all about grace. You can approach Jesus. People tell me all the time, I can't come to church, Pastor. Why? Because I'm full of sin. I'm full of sin. I got to wait until my sin is gone before I come to Jesus. You ain't never coming to Jesus if you wait by yourself for your sin to be gone. Only Jesus takes your sin away. You let Jesus be your soap. You let Jesus be your washing rag. You let Jesus be the cleanser, okay? The woman was bleeding, ceremonially unclean, but she didn't let that stop her. See, for some of you that that don't understand the Jewish law back then, if you were bleeding, you couldn't be around anybody, man. It was wrong. It was wrong. It was against the law. You couldn't touch anybody. She touched the clothing of Jesus, Okay, a high priest of high priests, right? And now this took a lot of faith and not faith in just who Jesus is, but the grace of God that she could actually approach God and touch him unclean, unclean. Okay, and she did it that that, look, God wants you to understand the grace that he has through Jesus Christ. You can approach God through Jesus You can't get to him any other way. There's just no other way to do it. If the woman would have stopped bleeding and cleaned herself up, she still couldn't get to God without Jesus. Praise Lord. She still couldn't do it. She had to reach out and touch Jesus to get to God. The mentioning of the 12 years tells us the gravity, desperation, and hopelessness of the woman's condition. The death of the girl tells us the same about Jairus' situation. Amen. This woman was desperate. Of the Gospels talked about that the doctors tried to help this woman for 12 years and couldn't do nothing. They did all they could, and she spent all her money trying to get better. That's the other Gospels. Jairus didn't come to Jesus until the girl was dead. He waited until no one could do anything else, but for Jesus, it's never too late. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. A lot of times I get people walking into the church as a last resort They try everything on their own. They listen to all of their friends. They turn on self-help TV shows, them self-made doctors that are psychiatrists on TV, and they watch them shows. They read self-help books, but they don't try out Jesus. They wait until they hit rock bottom. They're flat out on the floor. They're hurting. They're beyond any human help. But they waited so long that they're in a condition where they can't even barely get into the church. I mean, some people come in here and they're just, they're such a wreck. And they, they don't have the strength to keep up. They don't have the strength to even ask Jesus for help at this point. They're just coming in here asking me as a man to help them. I can't help you. I can only point you to the one that can. This is your walk with Jesus. And the sooner you get on your journey with him, the better off you will all be. Amen. Jairus waited until the last second. He waited until the last second. He was desperate. He was hopeless. He was in fear. But it's never too late for God to change someone's situation. Jesus said to the girl who was sleeping, he said to get up, right? Because 
listen, he said, he said that the girl was sleeping because to God, death is no more than sleep. Think about this for me. The girl was dead. Let's not make any mistake about this, okay? The girl was dead. The flute players, they were playing their song. The mourners were out there wailing. That's what they used to do when somebody died. People would come out and wail around your house. Let everybody know that there was a dead person inside, okay? Jesus says she's just sleeping. Because death to God is just a sleep, okay? He just says the word and you wake up. The people laughed at Jesus. They didn't have faith. They laughed at him. They ridiculed him when he said that she was sleeping. But oftentimes Christians will be laughed at when we speak of our faith in God. Listen, they laughed at the king of kings. And he went in and he was doing miracles before this, okay? He had a reputation. He comes in and says, no, no, she's not dead. She's sleeping. Ah, look at this cloud. What is he? He don't even know a dead person when he sees one. And he put them out, didn't he? I want to tell you something. If you got somebody ridiculing God or ridiculing you for your faith, you need to put them out of your life. Love them. Be gentle. Be kind. But listen, you don't need naysayers in your life, right? You need to put them out. Shake the dust off your feet and move on from that place. That's what Jesus did, right? He put them out. You don't need people messing with your faith. You don't need people laughing at you like that. I'm not saying hate anybody. I'm saying that you need to pick better friends. You need to fellowship with some Christian people. Praise God. Now, these healings were divinely appointed. The faith did not do the healing God did. Let me explain this to you. God will give you faith. He will speak right to your heart and he will give you faith. The question is, what are you going to do with that faith? See, right now there's people in this building and they're listening to the word of God. And the Lord is opening some hearts up in here today to hear the word of God. But the question is, will that person respond to the word of God? That is what pleases God. You see, all faith comes from God. You don't have any of your own, so there's no bragging rights there. But how you respond to the word of God dictates the outcome of your circumstance. Now, Jairus, he could have heard that the girl is dead. He could have heard the laughing. And I'm going to tell you something else. The reason why Jesus put those people out wasn't because Jesus was disturbed by it, but he wanted to keep the faith of Jairus going. You see what I mean? Because Jairus could have heard that, and in one of the Gospels, it says, why bother the teacher? This is another Gospel says this. They actually said, why bother the teacher? The girl is already dead, okay? Jairus could have said, you know what? Never mind. They're right. Go on. It's too late. Now, Jesus wanted Jairus to keep his faith so he would still act on his faith, okay? Because you start becoming afraid when you're following God, you may turn around and walk the other way. Or worse, you might just stand still. Man, if God is leading you through a valley and you start standing still, it's like standing in traffic. That's the worst place to be is halfway following God and stopping in the middle of traffic. And there's a bus on the way. And God is on the other side of the street saying, come on, come on, you better move. And you're like, I'm scared. I lost my faith. No, the faith is there. You're not listening to it. Anybody follow what I'm saying? How you could be in a moment with God. And he could be leading you through something and you become afraid because of what people are saying around you, the naysayers ridiculing you, and you just stop because you're listening to them. Jesus got rid of those people so Jairus couldn't hear that anymore. Number two, Jesus heals two blind men. Matthew 9, verses 27 through 31. 
And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Son of David was a title used to address Jesus because it was known that the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. Understand that these people recognized he was the Messiah to come. Understand that they knew he was a descendant of King David. Jesus was the rightful king of Israel. He come from the bloodline of kings. They knew who he was, okay? But Jesus doesn't heal them right away. He first questions their faith. You got to love this. He didn't say, you're healed. You see, he saw something in them that even though they recognized who he was and what he was capable of doing, they still didn't have enough faith. He walks into the house. Often God will not answer our prayers, but first will test our faith. Sometimes our waiting on him actually builds our faith. I love that part because Jesus walks into the house. Instead of healing him. Instead of healing him, he walks into the house. Do you believe God can or will help you? Do you really want his help? You see, while you're waiting on God for the answer, you think that you're suffering You think that you're in dire need, but the whole time that you're waiting on God, he's asking you, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I will do this? How strong is your faith? And actually waiting can build your faith with God because when the answer finally comes, you go, "Woo, man, I thought that would never happen. Praise God. Man, at the last second, God came through and that builds your faith even more. But oftentimes when you come to God and you pray for stuff, man, I've, I've seen people come in here. I've seen people come in and, oh, I prayed this and I prayed that and then just run off before they get the answer from God. They don't even wait. Well, I, I prayed just a second ago that God would answer my prayers and it's been two seconds and he ain't done nothing. I guess I better leave. Bye. Jesus walked away from these guys, went into the house. The blind men wanted mercy. They knew they didn't deserve anything from God, neither do we. These guys are blind. They could have said, look what God did to me. He, he made me blind. You owe me. No, they said, have mercy. Mercy, God, mercy. Do we come to God asking for mercy? Man, we need it because we don't deserve anything from God. Oh, we deserve some things from God. Let me tell you what, but it ain't good stuff. Okay? These people wanted mercy. Have mercy on me, God. Mercy. They were putting all the blame on themselves. Because, look, it ain't God's fault you are where you are. Your, Your free life, your choice. Let people try to tell you what to do right now. You don't even like it when they tell you to turn your phone off in the movie theater. Smile if it's true. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, there we go. Right? Turn your phone off. What? Man, I'll just silent. I'll I'll turn it on silent. That's all you're going to get out of me. Apparently, Jesus walked away from the two men 
and went into the house, but they went after him. Look, when Jesus walks away, he's not walking away from you. He's trying to get you to follow him a little bit further. He wants you to be persistent. Knock and the door will be opened, right? Seek me and you will find. Now, if they would have just stayed outside, man, he just walked off from us. Let's go, guys. No, they went in after him, right? Right? We don't walk away. I'm going to go with you, Jesus. Come on, man. (laughs) Help. (laughs) Look, when you ask God for something and he appears to walk away, go where he's going. Follow him. Nag him if you have to. Bug him. Keep asking. Pick at him. He likes that. Oh, God likes it when you keep asking him over and over and over and over. He likes that. What do your kids do when you don't get what they want? What do your kids do? Can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have, can I have? Please, 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 please. Right? Number three, Jesus heals a man unable to speak. Matthew 9, verses uh, 32 to 34. As, as they were going away, behold, a demon, a demon-oppressed man who was mute, was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. As they were still going away, Jesus is still working miracles one after another. What a busy man. He gets away from one situation. He's being being confronted by other people. Hey, do this, do that. It tells you a couple of things, okay? Jesus' work is never done when it comes to healing people physically, and it tells you that it's never done until he returns back, because when he returns back, everyone's going to get a new body, right? That believe in him, amen? But for right now, Jesus is working pretty hard, isn't he? Man, listen, never think that God is too busy to pray to him, okay? Never think that your problem is something he's not concerned about. He is. Now, demons were especially active while Jesus was on earth, Demon possession can cause both physical and mental problems. Now, this needs to be addressed because I tell you what, the biggest lie Satan has come up with that people believe is that he's not real. I can't tell you how many people told me that the devil's not real. I'm telling you he's real, okay? You can see him in people that you encounter. You can see him and you can hear him in the music that we listen to on the radio. You can see him on the TV programs that shouldn't even be on TV today. Man, he's active and he's working. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Demons can mess with you. They can make you sick. They can get into your mind and they can make you think about stuff in the middle of the night where you're not sleeping right. They can make you get angry and say things to people you shouldn't have said. They can cause mental, physical ailments that will torment you. They'll do all kinds of things. I'm not saying that everybody's sick has a demon, okay? But I'm telling you that there are people who are sick with certain things that have demons, You can call me crazy all you want to, but I've actually seen some stuff. Now, I can only tell you what I've seen. You guys are just going to have to either take the Bible's word for it or experience it for yourself one day. The Pharisees, unable to deny the miracles of Christ, accuse him of being in allegiance with demons. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The, the, The Pharisees, these were the religious leaders. They didn't like Jesus because he was the chosen Messiah and he was taking over their religion in their in their viewpoint, you know. He, he was stepping in and he was leading the place now. They were jealous. And so they couldn't deny the miracles. In fact, there isn't one enemy of Jesus that ever denied his miracles. Historically speaking, if you dig into the archives, 
The miracles are accounted for. Even his enemies will attest to that. But they claim that he was doing them through the devil. Oh, it's witchcraft. That's what we'd call it today, okay? It's voodoo. They were saying that he was Satan himself. He was the king of demons. And he was using demons to get his miracles done. Isn't that crazy? Okay. The harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. Number four, Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. We're almost done. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were uh, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus, seeing the need for more workers in ministry, directs his disciples to pray for more laborers. And what Jesus is trying to say that, uh, to the disciples is, there's a lot of people out there crying for Jesus. They just don't know how to get to him. You see what I'm talking about? People aren't inviting people to church like they used to. Don't talk about church at school. They might suspend you. Don't talk about church at work. Your co-workers might hate you. Don't talk about church with family. Your family might disown you. I just better be quiet and secretly go on Sunday and don't invite anybody. I'll keep my faith to myself and I'll be okay. That's not helping anybody. Other people want to live their life the way they want to live it. We went through the passage, first let me bury my mother and father, right? The guy who wanted his inheritance. He wanted to live life first. He didn't want to give up his lifestyle. He wanted to live life. He didn't want to make any sacrifices for God. He wanted to live life first, and then when he was done having his fun, then he would come serve God. He wouldn't even have done it then. Now, see, right now is the time where you need to come to God and say, Lord, no matter what the cost, no matter what the cost, I'm willing to give it to you, Lord. I'm willing to give up whatever it takes, God, to serve you so that I can help you get people into the kingdom. Because listen, one day when you're in the presence of Jesus, you could be looking around and not recognize one person and say to the Lord, how come so-and-so's not here? Oh, well, see... I asked you to do a ministry and that ministry would have touched the person who touched the person who touched the person who would have touched that person you knew and they would have came to me, but you denied me. Now, many people are ready to come to the kingdom of God, but few are there to point the way to God through Jesus. Go to work and ask people about Jesus Christ and watch the answers you start getting. You know, someone's shaking their head. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You don't know what you might get, right? Listen, pray that God will bring workers to the fields. And when you do, be ready to put into, be ready to be put into service. Often God uses those who pray such prayers as his instrument to point the way to him. This whole sermon was about how busy Jesus Christ was when he was on earth working for the kingdom of God. To be a disciple of Christ means to follow 
him. And what would you do if you were following Jesus right now, if he was back on earth right now? What would you be doing? You'd be doing what disciples were doing, ministry. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was a carpenter, but it says he was a carpenter. You see what I mean? When he got called in the ministry at the age of 30, he went full-time in the ministry doing what God told him to do. What's your calling? Does God call you to do something and you're not listening? Are you busy with things that are not of God? Or are you busy working like Jesus Christ? Amen. This is Misha again to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. You can contact him via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. Again, that's james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri 65801. And be sure to visit us online at www.awordfromgod.net. I'm Misha Pelkey for A Word From God. And I'm James Lindley. And I want to thank you for listening. And I pray that God will bless you immensely from this message.